Hey you, welcome back to Anointed Fire. I'm Tiffany Buck. Now I want to talk about a few things that destroy relationships. I'm not just talking about romantic relationships. Yes, they do destroy romantic relationships, but they also destroy platonic and familiar relationships. They also destroy workplace relationships. With the many counseling sessions that I've done, I've come to see that what I'm about to mention to you seem to be the most prominent and prevalent issues that surface and cause the destruction of a relationship. Number one, selfishness. Selfishness. Now, selfishness has two roots. One of them is trauma. When people have unresolved trauma issues, they become incredibly selfish. And I liken that to a wounded animal, right? Um, I always talk about, like, if you came across, for example, a, an animal that had been hit by a car or something happened to an animal. And the animal was still alive and you started approaching the animal. The animal will likely begin to growl at you because in that moment, that animal is in pain. That animal is incredibly selfish in that hour. Now, it's not to say that the animal is bad. It is to say that the animal is hurt. The animal is wounded. So in that moment, because that animal is vulnerable, the animal feels threatened by anybody, even the people that love him or her the most, because the animal is concerned that you're going to hurt them all the more. It's not, let's say, for example... It happens to be a beloved pet. It's not that the pet, you know, in that hour is saying, hey, you're a bad person. What the pet is saying is that you may try to move me. You may try to do something that's going to hurt me. So consequently, I'm going to show you my fangs and I'm going to snarl at you and I'm going to try to bite you if you come anywhere near me. Again, the animal is not being bad, so you can't take it personal. The animal is just wounded. And I found the same to be true with people. Whenever people are hurting, when you're dealing with hurt people, uh, we all know the adage, hurt people hurt people. But that's what really happens is that whenever you're coming across a hurt person, whenever you begin to ascend into their hearts, whenever you uh, get access to their heart, or what have you, many times they begin to snarl, they begin to sabotage um, relationships because they are so afraid of being hurt. And it's because they remember being hurt before. They remember being, you know, um, they times when they didn't necessarily guard their hearts the way they feel like they should have guarded their hearts. They remember what it felt like to be abandoned, to be rejected, to be betrayed. They remember what it felt like and they purpose in their heart. They never want to feel that again. But crazy enough, they want to experience love. But the, the problem with love, and it's not necessarily a problem, but the issue that uh, stands in their way is that they don't want to understand that love involves vulnerability for a person to get to know you it involves a degree of vulnerability right that means it involves a degree of trust so you have to allow people to genuinely get to know you in order for them to begin to wholeheartedly love you um and then over the course of time that's what they're gonna love is what they know about you you can't love what you don't know but whenever you're dealing with somebody who's broken they'll allow you to look to love the parts of them that they favor, they'll allow you to get to know the parts of them that they're not ashamed of. But the parts of them, for example, let's just talk about guys. A lot of times there are areas in a man's heart where he's um, absolutely vulnerable, right? And in the areas where he's confident, he is able to, you know, just kind of show off his masculinity. In many cases, you know, he'll show you that part of him. He'll allow you to come to love that part of him. But those areas that he's vulnerable, those areas that he's you may be, may be dwarfed, you know, maybe uh, underdeveloped because of trauma, uh, because of rejection or what have you. In those particular areas, you will find that, you know, he can be very guarded. He doesn't want you to know about, you know, certain things about him. 
or what have you because he's afraid of how you're going to see him. And that within itself is selfishness because then that being overly guarded, he can become really uh, snipping, really... He can sabotage a relationship. I'm trying to look for the right word. But he can sabotage a relationship. He can be very, you know, defensive. I think that's the right word. He can be very defensive and what have you. And he can treat you almost as if you already know and you're judging him when you're not. It, the, the, the issue is, is simply that, you know, that's a part of him, a part of his heart that he is not giving you access to. That's a part of his heart that he doesn't give you access to. Another thing, forgive me because I hear the ice cream man outside of my dog is about to go into a barking mission. Oh, my love. Uh, another thing that destroys relationships, obviously, is pride. Actually, pride is the number one killer of relationships. Pride is the number one killer of relationships because whenever you're dealing with pride, pride has its own language. It has its own dialect. It has its own thing going. And so pride typically gets into a relationship with the person uh, on its own. Now there is a spirit of pride and then there is the, uh, the issue of pride in the flesh. But pride pretty much says to a person like, hey, listen, you better hold your own. You better hold your manhood. This is what I found in counseling couples. This is what I found um, in people that I've seen who've had failed relationships. I've seen cases where somebody's pride in the majority of cases where a marriage fails in the majority, I would dare to say 99% of cases where a marriage fails one of the spouses has high level pride. Leviathan spirit, they got high level pride. And no matter what, they want to admit to be wrong. They want to apologize or they'll give a half-hearted apology. They will not allow the person that they hurt to heal properly. They just want to come away from it. They don't like the negative spotlight on them. They try to make their spouse, you know, endure all the pain on her own or his own. They try to make their spouse, you know, like you got to work through it on your own. <laughs> It, you know, let's say, for example, if they went out there and they committed adultery and a spouse finds out about it, away. I mean, the spouse is grieving, the spouse is hurt, the spouse is angry, going through all of the different stages that people go through whenever they have been, you know, betrayed or what have you. Well, it takes time to heal from that kind of stuff. You know, you can't just expect the person to hear about it and then you say sorry and then the person says, okay, and then you go back to life as, as usual. The person is genuinely hurting. The person is genuinely experiencing emotions that they probably never experienced before or you know for the most of us even though they've experienced it before you don't really master those emotions that it's too painful okay the person is going through that and so a lot of times when you're dealing with uh the offender the offender feels guilt and shame the offender can't stand even the spirits of guilt and shame now the spouse is also feeling uh maybe some shame they could even be feeling a little bit of guilt but they are they're they're the person who has been um betrayed is feeling everything but the person who is a betrayer is oftentimes so selfish that they can't even handle the, the guilt and the shame that they're experiencing and so what they do is they begin to gaslight themselves and they start to tell themselves that oh you know she just trying to control me she milking this she doing this and i'm just saying she just because i don't like jumping between he's and she he and she stop it i don't feel like jumping between the he's and the she's and the these and the thou so Forgive the dog. He knows not what he do. Sit down. Stop it. Like I said, the ice cream man is in my neighborhood. I'm assuming that he's on my street now. So my dog is, yeah, he's warning the dude. Okay. He's, war he's warning him, letting him know that mommy is trying to eat right. And you're not going to do this to my mommy. So that's it. But pride. Pride destroys more relationships. And it doesn't even have to be an adulterous affair. It can be, for example, 
I'll come in contact with guys, you know, I can simply say, hey, I don't like this. And they say, well, what do you mean? Um, I'm saying that this isn't good. But I'm just saying, that's pride. That's pride. Because, and I'm not saying that you have to give in to somebody's um, preferences or demands. But you shouldn't be defensive, right? You shouldn't just throw up a wall immediately. What you, sh what you should do is hear the person out and then consider what they're saying. You have to humble yourself. In order for any relationship to work, there has to be, catch this, high levels not low levels not minimum levels but there has to be high levels of not only vulnerability but humility those are needed for a relationship to work if you're not vulnerable and you refuse to humble yourself your relationship will fail because what will kill it is the lack of trust you can't trust somebody who puts themselves up because here's the thing it puts them in survival mode because if i see you for example constantly defending yourself guarding yourself and protecting yourself you know what? I don't feel like you're guarding me. I don't feel like you have my best interest in mind. So consequently, I'm going to guard and protect myself. This is natural. This is what humans do. I'm going to guard, shield, and protect myself. And then because I'm guarding, shielding, and protecting myself, then you're going to feel some type of way. And you're going to feel like, well, you know, you, you, you're selfish. And I'm going to feel like you're selfish. And so consequently, we develop this these beliefs as it relates to each other because I don't see you protecting me. I don't see you shielding me. And one of the things you have to hear, because a lot of times people get caught up in that, well, I did shield her, Tiffany. I did. You know, I told her I was sorry here. That has to be consistent. People will always trust what you show them the most. And this is what people don't understand about the concept of submission and trust is that people will only submit to the truth. They don't submit to people. They submit to the truth. And what I mean by that is if you are consistently lying, or, you know, they're going to submit to that fact. They're going to submit to the fact that you are a liar. So consequently, they're going to determine that you're a liar. They won't trust anything that comes out of your mouth. If you are constantly cheating, they're going to submit to the fact that you're a cheater. This is the truth. They've seen you cheat and they know you have a problem with self-control. So they're going to submit to that. To that, And so they're going to trust that you're going to cheat. And it's not fair to demand a trust that you didn't earn. It's not fair to demand submission because submission is directly, you know, linked with trust. But... But again, a lot of times when I've counseled couples, I've seen people do things to break the trust of the relationship. And then while the other spouse is, is going through the grieving process, while the other spouse is, you know, just kind of dealing with all of the pain, the, the offending spouse is sitting there, you know, complaining. Well, you know, here's the thing, uh, Sister Tiffany, um, you know, I've tried to be the best man I could be. I'm not saying it's her fault, but I'm just saying, you know, she got a, she got a dog in this fight as well. But, um, you know, she, she has problems with submission. Did she tell you this? Did she tell you about this incident? And I'm like, you have to understand that when it comes to submission, submission is not something that, you know, you just come home and say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to submit to you even though I don't agree. Submission deals with agreement. And let me say that. Let me retract that. I don't mean that you have to fully agree with the person you want or you have to agree with the person's ideology. What I mean by that is that submission has everything to do with you coming into agreement with the person. Uh, overall purpose. You, I trust you as a person. I trust that you're gonna. You, you got my best interest in mind. I trust that you are serving God. I trust that you're not gonna lie to me. I trust. That's what submission has everything to do with. People submit to the truth and not to people. But when God talks about wives respect your husbands, this is the only way that a woman can respect her husband and submit to her husband is she has to see the area that he's consistent in. Think about it this way. I don't like, for me, I'm a jokester. I like to, I like jokes. I like to laugh, what have you. But the type of jokey type dude that I don't like is the one who hurts me. 
as a joke. You know, he thinks it's that funny. And there are a lot of guys out there like that, you know, that thinks that it's funny, for example, to and not even just hurt me. I don't like being scared. I don't like nobody to jump out and scare me. I don't like that kind of stuff because it it causes me, you know, I just don't like it. Well, if a guy is constantly doing that, I'm, I'm going to be fussing. You know, I'll be like, listen, stop doing that. I don't like that. Please. I'm asking you. I, I know it's funny to you. You on the floor laughing. But, you know, my heart is racing and stuff right here. And that don't uh, don't kill me with, you know, for you to get a, get a joke out of what have But I'm going to trust that he does that. And let's just say he tends to do that whenever I go to bed. Like I, I start going to sleep as soon as I doze off. Um, he has a tendency to go rah. You know what's going to happen? I'll be, it'd be hard for me to sleep around him. I could end up dealing with insomnia because of fear. Now, he may get in and be like, hey, Tiffany, I was just playing. It's not that serious. I mean, I can't believe you're sitting here uh, unable to sleep or what have you when I'm just joking with you. But at the end of the day, that's triggering. It scares me. And I've already communicated that, hey, I don't like that. Um, yet and still, he con- he continues to do it. So consequently, because he continues to exhibit that behavior, um, then it's gonna it would be hard for me to sleep around him. It would be hard for me to fall asleep because I would always be worried that he's gonna scare me out of my sleep or what have you. And I don't like that feeling. So consequently, while he's there, I probably won't go to bed till he goes to bed. That's trauma. You see that? I probably won't be able to go to sleep until I see that he's knocked out. I probably won't be able to go to sleep till I see that, you know, I notice that he's in a REM sleep, that he's snoring or heavy. So I'm saying that to say that you will always trust what a person does. You don't trust what people say, you know, and that, that's what annoys me when I come in contact with people. Well, you got to trust your man, you know, especially like if you start talking to a guy on the phone. Yeah, but you got to trust your man. No, I don't. I got to trust what the man shows me and automatically I'm going to trust his truth. I'm not going to trust his words. I will trust his truth. I will trust what he shows. And every woman does that. They just don't have the language. Many don't have the language for that. But every woman does that. If you happen to be somebody, for example, let's say you've been married before and your 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 girl, she, you know, she feels like, hey, listen, you uh you you seem to have a thing for your ex-wife. You know, you seem to be this, you seem to be that. If you continually that comes from you continually doing something. That she felt was off. That come that comes from you continually doing something that she felt like was disrespectful. You know what have you? She's communicated it with you in the past. You didn't listen. Why? Because for whatever reason, you may still be soul tied to that ex. It doesn't have to be an ex wife. It could be an ex girlfriend, or it could be an ex boyfriend. Uh, for the ladies, it could be an ex husband. But if you constantly demonstrate, you know, put that 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 woman's uh, best interest and her preference. Her security and her feelings over that of the one, the person that you're currently with, the person that you're currently with is going to submit to the fact that you're still in love, uh, still hopeful toward the ex, that you are dealing with some type of uh, regret. You're dealing with some type of remorse. You're dealing with some type of guilt as it relates to that particular ex. Um, So consequently, the person is not going to fully give you trust as it relates to their heart, even though you've been in a relationship with them 15 years they're going to begin to take their heart back. And in every area of their heart that they have not allowed you to access, um, they're not going to necessarily give it to you. So we go through things of times of discovery where we discover ourselves. And that's a never ending process. And I want you to think that you get grown, you get married, you have kids and you stop discovering yourself. No, you're going to still keep discovering yourself over the course of your life. But in the process of her discovering herself and just using her as an example, if you happen to be the guy, for example, and you have you still in love with an ex and she feels that or she senses that 
She feels like, you know what, you're dealing with guilt and remorse as it relates to the ex. And honestly, a lot of guys deal with that whenever, whenever they've done wrong to the, the, their ex. Whenever they destroyed a relationship and the ex was faithful, the ex was good to them. Um, and, you know, they, whenever they are, they feel responsible for doing that, a lot of times they, uh, because of the guilt and the shame and the memories, they don't necessarily heal. They don't necessarily let go of what have you. So they'll go get in other relationships. Uh, nevertheless, they will give their ex, you know, privilege uh, over the other, the uh, over the current female. And so consequently, the current female will feel some type of way. She'll feel insecure. She won't feel safe. She'll feel like, you know what? You're still in love with your ex. You still want this and you still want that. And she will, you know, monitor your behavior toward the ex and what have you. So I'm saying it to say again that people will always trust what you show them, not what you say. You know, because what you say, if what you say doesn't allow, align with what you do, they will always trust that what you do is the truth and what you say is a lie. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but that is the reality. You're, what you say and what you do have to align. And that has to do that consistently. That's when the person begins to trust you. Whenever you have a person that genuinely trusts you because you have repeatedly told them the truth, you've given them the freedom uh, to examine you. You've given them the freedom to, to, to say, hey, I don't like this. Um, what then happens is that person, you know, develops that. You know, uh, that, that, that trust towards you. This is why a lot of people, you know, if, if something does happen, let's say if I develop trust toward a man because, you know, we we are heavy communicators. You know, he, he's always told me like, Tiffany, um, we in this for the long haul. We in this for life. So, you know, I'm not interested in, every, in any type of, of self-preservation. Um, so, hey, listen, let's say we were married. He says, okay, we're married. So my phone's your phone, your phone's my phone, period, point blank. If you tell me that you don't like me communicating with this female, I won't communicate with her. I'm going to respect you, but I'm, I will have questions about it. We will talk or what have you. And I do the same for him. And we have that type of relationship where we just respect each other. Nobody's going through self-preservation. Nobody's trying to defend themselves to the, to the other person. That's trust. Instead, you're being vulnerable to the other person's truth, uh, you know, or what have you. And we'll get counseling whenever we need it. Um, if, if that happens, then what happens is then I'm going to put my guards down with this guy. My guards will be completely down. And I'm not talking about he say that one time and then next month my guards. No, guys, I need y'all to hear me when I say this. That's not how that works. No, what happens is over the course of time, if he consistently shows me that, like he has a coworker, let's say I come to the job and I see her and she's always in his face. You know, every time I look up, she's always in his face and I say, Hey, listen, uh, every time I come up here, this woman is always in your face and, um, she always come into your office for whatever reason, wanting to talk about her, talk about her boyfriend, talk about her ex, talk about this, talk about that. I am absolutely not comfortable with this woman because for, as a female, what I'm picking up with her is that she has a crush on you. She's trying to develop a soul tie with you and she's not a good person. And the thing is, if you keep letting her come to your office, um, what she's going to do. And I'm telling you, this is a female because this is what women are. We are protectors of the home as well. If you keep allowing her to do this, the day that you ultimately reject her, you know, because you can, she can deal with the mild rejections because she feels like, you know, over the time she'll wear you down. But the day that she makes her major move or the day that she does something or she feels ultimately rejected by you, then she's probably going to accuse you of sexual harassment. And so not only will you lose your job, you may uh, potentially end up in a lawsuit. You know, you may end up blackballed. You can't get another job in the industry. So what your choices do affect me. It affects our household. Because then I got to sit up here and try to figure out 
where we gonna get the money from to pay the bills or what have you we gotta go into our savings account and begin to pay the bills so yes i gotta have a voice in this matter and he says okay so what's the solution what do you think i should do have a talk with her and you know make sure you talk to other people so that you are accountable you talk to other women in the office like people that you're higher up so what have you and say hey are we gonna call this woman deborah it's just the name that comes to man hey um want to talk to you about something um so you know you, you go you know deborah in hr right okay deborah spends quite a bit of time coming to my office she's always joking uh talking about this and talking about that and i want to be i want to make sure as a man that i'm protect you know i'm protecting not only my name my reputation i want to make sure that i'm protecting myself and as a man you want to make sure you communicate that with men as well because let's be honest women sometimes do defend women uh, but i'm talking to you and i'm going to talk to jake um over in media so i'm going to talk to jake in media i'm going to talk you know i want to make sure that i'm protecting myself from any type of you know false claims or what have you and i won't say that because you know that brings suspicion but i would say i'm just protecting myself um or what have you but I'm, I'm saying that to say i'm gonna host a meeting with her on today and i'm gonna try to make the meeting you know relatively public record the meeting or something like that um but i just wanted to let you know you know what's happening because I, i've already talked to my wife about it and you know I, we both agree on this or it doesn't make her comfortable, what have you. And, you know, just communicate that with the people. I just want to, and most of the time they're going to say, oh, I get it, I understand. And in many cases, they've already noticed it, right? They've already noticed it, and they've already had their questions or what have you. Um, but I don't want to have any type of things said. Uh, I don't want any type of rumors or what have you. And I know that she may be innocent. She may not have any evil intent, but I also know how it looks. So I want to be protective in that what that husband may not realize or, you know, he could come to realize later on in life is that not only did I save his job, I could have potentially saved, you know, him from being, you know, blackballed in the industry or even worse. Because let's say Deborah, he hosts a meeting with Deborah. He tells Deborah what he thinks. He says, hey, Deborah, um, I got you in here today because I wanted to talk to you. You know, you're a hard worker and you are one of the most valuable people in the company. And I want to thank you for your hard work. I want to thank you for everything that you have done. And so I pray that you uh, hear me, what I'm really saying and not, you know, take it offensively. I think you're an amazing per a person. Um, and just so you know, you know, um, I have to have a, I have to have a sitting in with the meeting because I got to be very protective uh, of my name and not just my name, but your, your name and our integrity and the integrity of the company. Um, so I have sister, uh, Megan over here who is going to be you know sitting in with us uh, so that I can discuss this matter with you so I noticed that you know you and I were really cool right I think you're an amazing person you're funny um, you come to my office quite a bit right um, and I wanted to just kind of tell you to not do that with me or any other male you know just uh, come to work do what you're supposed to do here be loud and I'm not saying you can't joke with me I'm not saying you can't communicate with me but I am saying that if I give you the green light to do that, other women are going to feel the uh, feel the need and not everybody's going to be healthy enough to handle a, you know, workplace relationship. You know, uh, us saying, hey, hello and spending quite, you know, excessive amounts of time together. As you know, I'm a I'm a married man and I want to make sure that I'm not only protecting the integrity of this company, but I'm protecting the integrity of my marriage because people on the outside, they can be looking in. Uh, and if they see you spending quite a bit of time in my office, of course, you know, rumors begin to fly and stuff like that. And of course, you're going to probably be like, oh, absolutely, absolutely. So I'm just saying that um, from here on out, 
Um, I want you to just not spend so much time coming into my office. If it's not work related, then don't come in. Now, if it's work related and you come in and you got to spend time because we're, you know, doing paperwork or something like that. Hey, I'm not saying we can't talk. I'm not saying we can't joke. I'm not saying that. So please, I'm, I'm asking you, please don't take that personally. Don't take that internally. But what I'm saying is, you know, just don't take expect. Oh, okay. She's going nine times out of 10 and say, okay, oh, where have you? There's a, somebody in the room that's acting as a witness. That's fine. And one of the things I will say is, you know, it's always good to have a city in a witness, but in a female city, and when you have a female up in there, it's always good to have a female city in. But two, as a male, you would probably want to ask for a male city in as well. Like I said, women have a tendency to protect women. Um, and let's just say Deborah may be a little bit manipulative. Now, if if the if if the woman, let's say if Megan is in an office and Megan has already kind of been on to Deborah and is not feeling Deborah, she may be sufficient, you know. But if she happens to be a little bit naive or she's cool with Deborah or, you know, she just never had, she didn't have a, an opinion either here or there, um, it is possible for Deborah to push her way up on her and to manipulate her away, you know, to try to build a friendship with her um, by coming, you know, coming, showing up at the office with coffee and saying, hey, girl. Or what have you then catching her at a time when, you know, she's vulnerable and then building a friendship with her. So you got to be mindful because there are manipulative people out there and they're very cunning and they're very good at deceiving other people. So let's talk about another issue that causes uh, or that brings about divorce. Another issue that destroys relationships again, not just platonic or not just uh, romantic, but also platonic rejection. Spirit of rejection typically starts uh, will destroy a relationship before it even starts. Because it's something that's hard to get past. It's one of those spirits that whenever you're coming across a person, a lot of times there are some people, for example, they're going to, um, they'll reject you because they feel like you're rejecting them. That's the spirit of rejection. They'll reject you because they feel like you're rejecting them or they'll reject you because they feel like you will ultimately reject them. You know, one of the things for me being, um, an influencer and being a, a mass producer, mass producer of goods, mass producer of products mass producer, a lot of times I have to deal with people's rejection and it can be frustrating. Um, but, and I've, I've dealt with my, my own, right? So I'm not sitting here saying that, Oh, I've, I've, I've accomplished this and I've done that. And you know, these people out here rejecting it. No, no, no. I've had to deal with my fair share of it as well. Uh, but I'm seeing that as an influencer, a lot of times, for example, I have women that feel like they're not good enough to be my friend. And then I have women that feel entitled. It, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> you know, I have the ones who feel like they're not good enough and they're really nice and what have you, but they can be relatively avoidant. And then over the course of time, if you start building, uh, you know, maybe you see them, you're uh, going, you work with them, you go to the same church as them, or you live in the same neighborhood as them. Uh, over the course of time, they will tell you, hey, I felt this way. I felt like, oh, she wouldn't want to be my friend. Then are the entitled ones. The entitled ones typically, while they deal with rejection, they also deal with fantasy and um, the entitled ones are the most annoying ones uh, because the entitled ones typically feel like if I'm nice to you, if I bought you a bag of lemons, no matter what you're supposed to, you're supposed to exchange phone numbers with me, let me in your house or what have you. And we're going to build this friendship. Uh, but they typically have ulterior motives. And when I say ulterior motives, I'm not saying that they're bad people. Sometimes the ulterior motive is to get free counseling. Sometimes the interior motive, the ulterior, not interior, but the ulterior, ulterior motive is because they're trying to build their own ministry and they want to get influence or what have you. And they feel like I want to be on your platform 
Uh, sometimes the ulterior motive is they think that you you balling, and they think that if they get near you, they can start to extract you know uh, resources from you. So that's the thing. Sometimes the ulterior motive I found with me being a producer of uh, digital project products, um, I've had women try to push up on me who were, you know, who had ministries or launching launching something or what have you, and they didn't have the funds to to finance themselves to get their own logo. They didn't have the funds, or they didn't want they they didn't feel the need to invest in themselves or what have you and they felt like if i get around people uh, who have that then you know i wouldn't have to pay anybody and then lastly there are people out there um who and especially women and we, we see this with men as well but i've seen this mainly with women because i'm a woman uh but there are women out there who like to surround themselves with who they feel like are powerful people because they like to name drop they like and of course men do that as well but they like to name drop so they be like you know my girl such and such she got this and then my other girl such and such she's a lawyer my other girl such and such she's a doctor my my other girl because they're trying to ride your importance you know make themselves look important by you know saying that hey i'm hanging around a bunch of successful people so you have to be very mindful of rejection and in relationships rejection is really frustrating because one typically you're going to see this dynamic you're going to have one spouse that's the more offensive one the one that does things that are uh, offensive and hurtful and um that person is typically sabotaging the relationship because the person you know every time you get closer to them every time you you know ascend in their to their heart a little bit more and they realize that you're a little bit more valuable to them than they were yesterday um and it requires another level of vulnerability on their part they start getting scared not having a language for it many times they will start thinking that oh you're trying to control them but the reality of the matter is, is that they're getting afraid. They're getting, they're becoming fearful because they remember somebody else that got that close. Somebody else that probably never got that close, but got close enough that did, you know, a lot of damage to them. You know, that hurt them, rejected them, had them suicidal, had them, you know, not wanting to live or what have you. And they remember feeling that. So consequently, you know, like I said, if you come home, for example, and Let's say you're married and, you know, you, you, you have a degree of intimacy with your husband, but he has been rejected by his mother he, and his first love, the love of his life, his first ex, one that he loved the most. I'm talking about he gave himself over to her. He didn't guard himself because she promised to be there for him. And they had a child together and everything was beautiful. They held hands, looked in each other's eyes. He proposed. Everything was beautiful. And then one day he discovered that she was cheating and she just suddenly and I, I knew a guy like that. But she just suddenly cut him off. Suddenly. You know, and um, she suddenly started acting funny. He didn't know what was happening. She suddenly started acting up. And then he come to find out that uh, she got somebody else. She's in a relationship with somebody else. It, it creates a great degree of trauma. And what then happens is he remembers letting her. Even though it's not something that he may consciously think about. But he remembers letting, you know, a woman get really close and what have you, he remembers what it feels like to hurt like that. So as his spouse, believe it or not, even though you may be married to him for five, married to him for five years, believe it or not, this may not be something you want to hear. He may, he may have never allowed you as close to his heart as he allowed her. He gives you, he gives you access to his heart, but he hasn't allowed you the closeness, the intimacy that he once gave her because he shut that place off for repairs, but he never got it repaired. Um, and so consequently let's say you begin to break into that that part of his heart you begin to enter in you find your way in there and you didn't go through the window you came through the door meaning legal access but you begin to come into that space in his heart 
Because in this, you start, you know, you, you start speaking his love language. You start demonstrating how much you care about him. And he sees that, hey, I can trust this woman. And you do that repeatedly. In many cases, because that area was traumatized and it was never fixed, he never submitted it to counseling. He never got deliverance in that area. He never studied to show himself rude. He never got to understand it. But all that I get and get understanding, when you enter that area, then you're going to come in contact the, with the monstrous side of him, the side of him that never healed. You're going to come in contact with that side of him. And he's going to begin to not only cast you out of that area of his, of his heart, but he's going to begin to wound you and, and potentially cast you out of his life. Because in that moment, you look just like her. He feels like you are about to do to him what she did. And, you know, we're not perfect. When you access a new realm of a person, you're a baby in that realm because you've never been in that space. Um, and so that means that you're going to be relatively immature and that's going to scare the crap out of him. Consequently, you know, he will start to sabotage your relationship. He will destroy the relationship. He'll do that through cheating. He'll do that through being uh, abrasive. He'll do that through just suddenly uh, shutting down and becoming cold, uh, being very avoidant or what have you. But that has everything to do with the spirit of rejection or the fear of rejection because he's been he's been rejected before, which we all have. But. He never processed it. He never healed in that area. Unfortunately, with a lot of guys, they don't go get the counseling that they need because they think that's a soft thing. They think that that means that they're soft or what have you. They're always trying to prove themselves to be hard, to be masculine. So consequently, many men don't get the healing that they need. They don't get the deliverance that they need. But rejection, rejection and the fear of rejection destroys more relationships than we know. Again, you have pride. You have rejection. You have, uh, what was the other one? Anyhow, I'll come back to it because my brain is drawing a blank as I'm over here trying to get uh, ready uh, for my friend girl to come over here to finish my hair. But that's it. Those are the three issues that I've noticed that cause the most uh, destruction of relationships. Matter of fact, when you're dealing with rejection, rejection is usually the culprit behind um, adultery. It's usually the culprit behind adultery. Sometimes the man may not feel like he's good enough for you. Um, sometimes a man may start dealing with some type of childhood trauma. So, for example, I've known guys, and there are many of them out there that, that have done this, and they don't realize they've done it. But they can be with a woman, and they can love on her. I'm talking about they are the best men. They are the best husbands, best boyfriends. And so the woman has baby with them. But because they were traumatized when they were children, rather than seeing that child as their daughter or their son, they see the child as their competition. And so because, you know, mother, when a mother, a new mother, or even just throughout her motherhood, she's going to give excessive amounts of, of attention, needed time. Um, to, and I wouldn't even say excessive, but needed attention to her children uh, or to her new child. And so she's going to be breastfeeding the child, tending to the child's wants and demands or what have you. Um, and then the guy all of a sudden starts to feel like he's been pushed out because he's no longer getting um, all of the attention he wants. Scott, he's no longer getting all of the, hey, listen, you're so beautiful. She's not jumping up and, and trying to dress up for him all the time. I mean, she's getting herself. Not to say that she let herself go, but she's not doing it because she doesn't have time and she's exhausted. The child is keeping her up. And so she's having to, to take care of this kid because children are selfish by nature. But if you're dealing with a man who is wounded, he's going to be relatively selfish as well. Consequently, he's going to take it personal when you have a baby with him. And he's going to take it like, you know, he, you don't have time for me anymore. You don't have time for this. And so he'll go look for that attention in the arms of another female and he will destroy his relationship. So there are uh, quite a few guys. They make amazing uh, spouses, lovers or what have you when there is no child involved. But whenever a child comes into the picture, they will either leave the woman while she's pregnant 
or in many cases, they'll stick with her throughout the pregnancy. They'll come to the hospital. They'll do all the other stuff. But then a woman will know that he's relatively, she'll notice that he's relatively distant. She'll notice that he gets aggravated when the baby wakes up in the middle of the night and starts crying. She'll notice that, you know, he's always, there he go again or there she go again. Um, especially with uh, their male children. Especially with their male children. A lot of times that has something to do with the mother giving um, excessive attention to their brother um, or to their father. And so they felt kind of shut out. So that is to say uh, to my um, brothers and sisters, be sure to get uh, counseling, get therapy. Don't sit there and think that, okay, um, I'm just going to keep on going about life. And I, I heard just as a Tiffany, so the next time I'm in a relationship, I'll be cognizant of that. No, that's not going to stop you from feeling that overwhelming feeling of, of like you've been abandoned, um, like you're being rejected or what have you. And then again, um, when I talk about rejection, I think about many times as a single woman that men have sabotaged their opportunities with me simply because they felt rejected. They didn't feel like they were good enough. They didn't feel like that. And it's fine with me because um, if you don't know my story, uh, I've been married twice. And it wasn't during the time as I was, you know, really uh, working with God or what have you. I was a babe. Uh, but I'm saying that to say both of the times when we broke up, both guys said the same thing. They said, hey, I never felt like I was good enough for you. And I apologized. I was like, hey, I'm sorry if I, I made you feel that way. And it was like, they were like, no, it's nothing you did. It's just that what they were talking about, they were measuring my relationship with God, even though I was a babe in Christ, the first guy, I met him when I just got saved. I mean, I still had sin all over me. Uh, I met him in sin and I was in sin with him. But um, the thing was, I had a hunger and a love for God. I was consistent with going to church. I was really intentional about my relationship with God. I was growing and my growth was uh, very threatening to him. He didn't know what to do with it because, and you know, he felt like at some point I was going to come to realize that I was in his mind, too good for him. And I was going to leave him anyhow. And I was going to break his heart. So he decided to break mine first. Um, so consequently, he sabotaged the relationship. Not to say that he's a good person. He's a traumatic or traumatized person. Or he was a traumatized person. I don't know what he is now. But he felt the need to do all that crazy stuff. And until he did it because that's what his parents did to each other. And he thought that that was a normal relationship. Is that, you know, when you're cheating on each other. Or, or the person is cheating on you. He thought that, you know, he thought the relationship should be. Hey, I can leave you. I go be with somebody else and then I'll come back when it don't work or when I get bored. Or I have, I've had my fill of her and then, you know, we'll talk about it. Or he'll, you won't talk about it no more with me. And then we'll continue on until I meet somebody else and I want to kind of explore her for a while. Then I'm going to leave and I'm going to go be with her. And then you don't be with nobody. You be at home and you just keep the house. You keep the kids. You keep all this. You keep everything. You keep it tight. All right. <laughs> you do all of that stuff. And then whenever I get bored with her, then I, that that's the type of marriage. And all I honestly, I can say that he was fancying, that he really wanted. He wanted the type of marriage that didn't end, but he also didn't want the responsibility of of, of, of being faithful to the spouse, of, of being consistent and respectful. He didn't want that responsibility. He wanted the perks of a, a, a marriage that didn't end, but he didn't want the, the responsibility or whatever. He didn't want to have to, you know, grow in self-control. But that, that had everything to do with the fact that he wasn't saved. And the same thing with the uh, other guy, you know, the thing with him was he just felt like he didn't have to do a lot of stuff. So he felt like um, he could use his culture to basically kind of bully his way through what he wanted um, in a relationship. You know, to basically say, it is my culture. It is not, it's normal. It is not normal. Oh, I have you. Uh, but nevertheless, 
one of the things that, like I said, both of them said to me at the end of the relationship, hey, I, I never felt like I was good enough for you. And that was very disheartening, but it was also sobering to me because nowadays whenever a man feels like he's not good enough for me, I believe him. And what I say, when I say what I mean by that, I don't mean that I think that I'm better than him and that I could do better. I, I, I'm saying that he's immediately saying that he's not going to be a good, a good person to me because of how he feels. He doesn't feel like he is qualified to be uh that person that i need and so i'm no longer that person that will sit back and try to convince a guy oh no you have everything that i need you don't know you baby don't worry about that i'm no longer that person so if a man feels like yeah i mean you 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 that type you know you're gonna have to have a pastor or, or you know i feel like your your man oh what have you like a dude like me then i'm not gonna entertain him because he's immediately saying that he will he likely deals with rejection and um he will sabotage the relationship because he starts having those thoughts and those feelings and he starts and when he's having those thoughts and those feelings uh believe it or not a lot of times people start feeling abandoned even though you're still present even though you're faithful even though you're good even though you're not doing anything but because they're dealing with those thoughts they're dealing with those um beliefs or what have you they start dealing with uh wrestling with offense and rejection as it relates to you because they start feeling like, hey, like for example, and they begin to compete with you. A lot of times they'll try to sabotage what you're working on uh, because they're afraid of you, you know, coming to that space. Like for example, if I'm writing a book and I'm telling him, I'm like, babe, so I'm writing a book about this. And he, he comes and he looks at it and he's like, dang, that's powerful. That's really good. This is better than any of your books. He can go to feel it. The enemy can get into his heart, get into his mind and say, this book gonna put her on the map, right? She's about to go viral. Going with this book, she's gonna be famous, and people gonna call you a housewife because you work at the gas station. And you know, I'm just saying that for an example. Um, they're gonna call you a housewife, they're gonna say this about you, they're gonna say that about you, and then she's gonna feel but when all those voices start speaking to her, she's gonna feel like she's too good. Look at all these celebrities that they happen to. She's gonna feel like she's too much for you. She's gonna realize that you're not good enough for her, and then she's gonna leave you. And he starts thinking about that, he starts believing that, he starts hosting those thoughts, and consequently, he begins to sabotage a relationship. Why? Fear of rejection. He starts sabotaging the relationship. So now he's like, you up working again. You supposed to be in his bed. Dude, I just got out of the bed. You you were sleeping. What are you talking about? Still, I like to cuddle. You don't even cuddle. And you, you're not a cuddler. You flip to the other side and go to sleep. You you had your fun. And you over there knocked out. So what do you... That's sabotage. That's sabotage. What he's doing in that moment is he's saying, I don't want you to release this book. So consequently, let's say he's working. I would have to... When he's at the gas station, prep, I don't have nobody working at the gas station. I'm just being funny with that. But um, when he's at work, I would have to write. And then I would also have to be wise and store my book onto an external drive, an external hard drive. I would likely have to hide that. And you see how that's crazy? You see how it, nobody should have to do that in their own home. But I would likely have to, to store it on an external hard drive and hide it because of his fear. His fear, he feels like that's going to put me on a map. So I would have to take every file that's important to me, have like maybe a cloud server and, and save all of that stuff there. Because chances are one day I may go, let's say, to visit family. And I'd be like, baby, I'll be home at about uh, 6 p.m. And he said, all right. And he over on the computer. When I come, or when I'm coming back, he's sitting up there. Man, I don't know what happened. What are you talking about? You know, I did this thing and it wiped the computer clean. Are you kidding me? Yeah, baby, I'm sorry. I'm trying to recover right now. I've been doing system restore. I'm on the phone with Microsoft. I'm doing this and I'm doing that. He did that intentionally because of his fear, right? So in that, would I say, oh, it's okay. I stored it on another drive. No, I would have to recognize that the the guy is broken. 
And not only is he broken, he's going to destroy everything. So I have to go play along with him. I can't believe you did that. You know what? Don't even worry about it. It's fine. I love you. Go to bed. Which would tell me that, hey, write that book only when he's asleep. Write that book only when he is, you know, this or that. Now, let me tell you how, because that relationship is doomed. You hear, you already hear that. That's a doomed, a doomed relationship. And believe me when I tell you, there are a lot of relationships out there like that. There are a lot of people out there that are called to success, and they have to choose between their assignment and their spouse. And many in many cases, the majority of people choose their spouse over their assignment. Nevertheless, it ends anyway because then they become miserable because you, you, you cannot disconnect yourself from your assignment. It's more than something that you do. It's who you are. And so they become miserable in the marriage because they can't do what they're assigned to do because their spouse is dealing with insecurity. But in this, what I would have to do is, let's say, for example, I would have to not tell him that I stored it on a cloud server because then he's going to find another way. He's going to start really acting out. Um, but it's going to destroy the relationship anyhow, because let's say I just go and I just find, you know, I wait till he's at work and I save the book onto the cloud server and I make sure I get a couple of servers and I save the book onto the cloud server, what have you. I'm always deleting cookies and doing this and doing that, uh, as it relates to the book. I finally finish it. I send it over to the editor and I have to get a secret email cause he got my email address. So I get another email address. I send it to the editor and I have, a, you know, so you see how that you see how that's destroying the relationship. So because now I look like I'm sneaky and he's going he gonna to punish me for that. I, I will get it for that. So I send it over to the other person, you know, the editor, what have you. She finally finishes her edits. I send it to the second editor. He finishes his edits. I either design the cover. Or I hire somebody to design the cover. They do an amazing job. Book looks great. Everything is wonderful. And then finally, I publish because I'm a publisher myself, so I don't have to hire anybody. So I start the publishing process. I publish the book and I, I say, hey, I just finished because I got to tell them, <laughs> you know, so I published the book. You published it. So you rewrote it. Well, no, actually, I had a, a copy saved on Twitter. Why you didn't tell me? Well, I, I mean, I just kept writing it. I mean, you got me walking around here feeling guilty and, and feeling like I got to destroy. That ain't what his problem is. That that right. He feel he does feel something about you hiding it from him but his real problem is the fact that he's terrified of that book and you didn't even let me read it you normally you let me read it listen so you think i just needed this stuff on purpose listen i just decided to finish the book i'm not sitting here saying i'm just telling you just don't take this personal i needed to finish that book in peace whenever i'm writing it you wouldn't let me go to bed whenever i'm uh, or you was always trying to force me to come to bed Whenever I was writing it, you were always trying to sabotage. Like, you just didn't want me to finish that book. No, it wasn't that. So, oh, okay, so you did do that on purpose. All right, all right. No, I got you. I got you. That relationship is in. It's going, that, that relationship is done because that person is relatively narcissistic. And that person was destroyed. So, hear me when I tell you. That person deals highly with rejection and the fear of rejection. And when I say this, there are more relationships out there like that. I have counseled men. Who have had women that were doing that to them. The man tried to get up and write a book. Or write a song or do something. And the wife go to complaining. I need you to cuddle. Now you don't want to cuddle with me. Because she's terrified. But she'll go out there and try to get success on her own. But she's terrified of her husband succeeding. She's terrified of, of what the next level looks like. She's terrified. So she will begin to sabotage her. I've seen people who have stopped writing. Um, who have stopped developing. Whatever it was they were developing. Because they didn't want to upset their spouse. They saw how their spouse reacted. So they stopped. They stopped. 
in it again you are forced to choose between your spouse and your assignment and either way it still doesn't work so those are the three things that destroy relationships i hope this blessed you i love you and god bless you